This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. Boys are back. Baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is reception. Reception. The show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Coe, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception, the show. All right, Matt, uh, we got uh, basically we got week 14 in the books. Um, I will ask you from uh, just a fantasy perspective. We don't always talk about fantasy here. uh, But how did your fantasy week turn out uh, the week before we hit the playoffs? Uh, yeah, mixed bag for sure. Uh, Nico Collins getting injured definitely stung. Uh, That one obviously was a was a real bummer. Yeah. Um, I told this story on the Yahoo podcast, but I'll tell it here too. Uh, I might have been uh, directly responsible for uh, the Nico Collins injury. Uh, oh, we no. had a... We got a curse we had going a, on? We've got. We had a little get-together at the house on Saturday. Little all right. friends came over for a dinner party and... Um, you know, one of the, these are all buddies of mine who like play fantasy football, the whole thing. Sure. So, uh, you know, you, you met most of them at the wedding too, but, uh, you know, it was like, a somebody's like, Oh yeah, it's your house. You should say, you should say grace. I was like, Oh, okay. You know, and being a smart ass, <laughs> being a smart ass. I'm like, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm just real thankful. Everybody could gather here. Mostly thankful though uh-huh. for Nico Collins, for Brandon. Ayuk. I mean, literally I said Nico <laughs> Collins and then he's injured. In five seconds, basically, in that game, you know, yeah. after getting like one catch. Yeah. So one catch. Um, that was definitely one of those like, ooh, that happened right away. Very early. Uh, I had a bad feeling about the rest of the day. And um, yeah, there was a few teams that, that sunk because of Nico. Uh, my league of record, uh, the one that I care about the most big buy in. You know, we've been doing it for 20 years and, uh, you know, a lot of pride on the line. Got eliminated from the playoffs. Last night was not fun. Uh, this is a team that, I mean, we just went, I mean, my team, it's a 14-team auction-style draft, and this team is loaded, baby. I mean, we're talking Patrick Mahomes, DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Alvin Kamara, Kyron Williams, Jake Ferguson. Uh, I mean, we're just, we're loaded. We got Terry McLaurin. Okay, we're loaded out here. I was going to say, man, that sounds like a pretty good team from no, this a great past team. Week. That's a you great just team. Alone. 
I just, I just got, you know, I got bit. There was one week where I lost by literally one yard. I was on full tilt. Uh, and this one, I had a great week. I had a great week this week, but I just ran into a buzzsaw. Um, I ran yeah. into a, a, an Ezekiel Elliott buzzsaw of all things. <laughs> How did I run into an Ezekiel Elliott buzzsaw? That don't make no sense. Uh, he also had DJ Moore going opposite uh, of what I got going on. Anyways, uh, neither here nor there. So I'm a little bit bummed out, a little bit depressed as we hear, uh, as we record here on a Monday, but that's okay. We power on. we got a great show in front of us here today. We're going to be talking about Drake London. We're going to be talking about Debo Samuel. What's going on with Stefan Diggs, man? We're going to try to parse it all out. Uh, and then we will try to figure out, uh, Matt will give his takes on whether or not we have seen real life improvement, or is it just more of a small sample size variance when it comes to Odell Beckham and Cortland Sutton? All right, so let's start with Drake London here. Uh, just an absolute explosion game, Matt Harmon. We're talking 11 targets, 10 receptions, 172. We're talking about career highs in both receptions and yards and catch percentage as well, catching over 90% uh, of the balls thrown his way. Uh, what did you see here from Drake London? Yeah, only the third 100-yard game of Drake London's career, which is, uh, <laughs> I mean, that stings. shouldn't be that way. Uh, he's such a good player. Man, I mean, that that's kind of where I want to start with this is like what I saw from that game on Sunday. Yeah, it's just like he's it's a guy that can do everything at the position, everything that you want. Um, you know, you see him win on outbreaking routes, on inbreaking routes, intermediate routes, vertical routes. Obviously, he can win in tight coverage. Man, he was real close to a touchdown on one of those catches. I mean, he was just making impressive grabs in big moments. You know, obviously the Falcons don't come away with a win. So I'm sure Arthur Smith will go right back to, you know, pounding the hell out of the rock, especially against the Panthers next week. I mean, my God, they'll they'll run the ball 30 times in that game. Right, right, um, right. No question about that. But look, yeah, obviously it stings for the for the Falcons. But this potential has been there for Drake London uh, all, all year and, and really basically since he got to the NFL. I think he will go down as one of these players that, you know, by the end of the year, we'll look back at his stats. It's like, ah, did he really even take a step from his rookie year? You know, because um, like he's probably pacing for about the same season. But man, you're I mean, talking, is, you're talking from a narrative standpoint because yeah, I from think, a narrative yeah. standpoint, yeah, right. from a narrative standpoint, that will be the narrative around Drake London is, ah, uh, did he really take a step? Like, uh, well, it's like, but these guys are all products of their situation, you know, and and obviously Drake London's situation is kind of the worst possible one where you all, you not only have a coach who look, I, I think Arthur Smith designs a good offense, but he does not get the ball to his best players. That is like objective number one, or, or it like, it seems like pulling teeth to get the ball to the best players in this system. It just yeah. shouldn't be that way. Okay. Um, especially with a guy like Drake London, cause like, look what happens when you just make this guy the, the centerpiece. But at the same time, you also have bad quarterback play. Like, yeah. I mean, Desmond Ritter, even in this game, he throws one brutal interception, uh, which maybe wasn't blocked up perfectly by the Falcons, whatever. But then the real egregious one was, I mean, Bijan Robinson could have like moonwalked into the end zone on a touchdown uh, on a play right there on the flat, and and he just completely misses him, and, and Bijan falls over the whole thing. So you got a real bad mix of circumstances here for Drake London, but this guy is definitely a baller. I mean, and like situations – correct themselves at, at some point. I mean, we've been talking about Michael Pittman on the show a ton. Like he's a great yeah. example of a guy that, ah, man, like his third season, did he just kind of taper out there in, in, in Indy, but then he's getting fully maximized. Like he's going to be a wide receiver one this year in fantasy football. And like, I mean, he, he's the same player he's always been nothing. Like <laughs> there, there's nothing about Michael Pittman this year. That's uh -huh. just like, Oh, yep. 
he's really graduated. No, like he's been this guy <laughs> since his second season. He was the right. same guy in the third season, and mm-hmm. he's the same guy right now. And that guy is really good. And same with Drake London. Like he was really good as a rookie. He's been really good this year. It's just been a very weird and wonky situation. And, you know, situations change. Uh, I think Drake London's ha- I mean, having a great season and is a great pro already at the position. So we're talking about a guy in Drake London who last year, when you talk about success rate versus man, and then combine that with success rate versus zone, 72%, 72.3% success rate versus man, uh, 81.6% success rate versus zone. Now, again, if you're uh, an RP convert, like, you know, you love RP and you know all about the receptor perception, you know that when you cross that 72% threshold on a man and 81% threshold on zone, You're doing pretty good in both categories, right? But how rare is that actually, right? So Drake London was only one of 10 players last year that crossed the 72% threshold versus man and then 81% threshold versus zone. So again, we're talking about a rare blend of a player that, again, you talk about size, you talk about speed, talk about the catch point, all these different types of things. But his success rate versus man and zone really indicate that, you know, again, this guy's knocking on the door of being a top, you know, 10, 12 receiver in the league. Absolutely. And I definitely think there are some people like in dynasty circles that have probably soured on him. You know, uh, I would I would imagine that's the case. I've seen a few people even throw out trades like um, I saw somebody said last night to me that they traded Nico Collins for Drake London straight up. And like, I like Nico Collins, but I think I'd probably still (laughs) take Drake London there. I don't know close i mean i really do like nico collins and he's tethered to cj stroud right but like right and that's one thing like when you get into a good sit like that's not going to change like what's going to change about cj stroud like he's going to suddenly forget how to play football probably nope. not like uh, you know D'Amico ryan's is just going to fall off the face of the earth as a coach probably not like right. nico's in a good i mean he could obviously he could change teams that's all certainly possible but um unlikely so he's in a good situation he's probably locked into that uh good situation for a while but Bad situations can change, and I think that's what you're looking with with Drake London here. That you know the the Falcons lost this game, like I mentioned. This is a pretty critical point because now the Bucks are the team that would get to represent the beautiful NFC South if the playoffs started today. Um, <laughs> which yay, I, yeah. I mean, Whoopi. Although I will say, oh God. Uh, I'm kind of most interested. Which is, it's like you know the. I don't. I don't even know what to say. It's, it's not a big compliment, but I do think the team I'd want to watch in the playoffs right now is probably the Bucks, um, or like the team I think should like the most interesting team from the NFC South. I think is probably the Bucks, which you know I'm not a Baker Mayfield guy. So like me saying yeah, this about yeah, Baker yeah. Mayfield is like that really tells you what I think about Derek Carr and what I think about the Falcons. <laughs> that I I think the <laughs> Baker Mayfield Bucks mostly just because like yeah let's get Mike Evans another postseason glory moment why not like Rashad White's kind of starting to play well why why not let's 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 have that happen uh, in the playoffs I guess because this Falcons team is just like it's just not it man um, nope. you know Desmond Ritter Desmond Ritter's not it um, I don't think they have a consistent like their defense is is much improved it's actually a pretty good unit but it's not like the Browns, right? Like defense can can take right. over a game or, or something like that. It's not that type of, of unit. Like I wonder um, what type of changes will be coming to Atlanta if they miss the playoffs in year three of the Arthur Smith, Terry Fontenot uh, regime. I, I don't know that Arthur Smith would get fired, although like him being so – he's definitely cooled down the cantankerous with the media stuff because I'm sure yeah. uh, I'm sure he was probably told by somebody, yo, you, you 
you got to knock that off. Like it's it's enough already with that. So I don't know that he would get fired or anything, but they'd certainly have to make some sort of aggressive swing at, at quarterback. And you know, I, I definitely come back to Justin Fields, right? Like that makes I think a lot of sense for them to make for some sure. sort of move like that. And we're talking about like Drake London with Justin Fields. Like I think Drake London would potentially go maybe not to the moon, but you know, certainly could get in into the atmosphere with a player like that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you talk about the the Falcons there, and and obviously the Saints. There's a big log jam. Everyone's under 500 uh, in the NFC South, and one of these teams got to make it, though. One of these teams got to make it. It's and it's always. By the way, whenever we're talking about teams that are below 500 making it into the playoffs, why is it? It seems like it's always the NFC South. Why is it? Oh, it seems well, like yeah. it's always the NFC South. I don't get it. Why is it always that that division? Uh, crazy stuff there. Um, you know, on the, you know, kind of continuing this, you know, hot streak or whatever, if you will. How about Debo Samuel, man? Last couple of weeks, this guy's been absolutely on fire. Uh, I, I do think, though, that against Seattle on that cover three defense, this was, uh, I don't want to say easy to see, but I, none of us were surprised, right, that Debo Samuel, one of the best zone beaters in the NFL of recent memory, uh, absolutely goes crazy against cover three. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, we've talked about Debo Samuel has been an unbelievable zone beater since he's yep. entered the league. Uh, he's been over 80% success rate versus zone in every single season. He has multiple seasons over 83%. Like last year, he was top five in success rate versus zone coverage. He was top five um, the season that he went berserk in 2021. I mean, he is one of the premier zone beating receivers in the league. He does like, and this is what makes him such a tough receiver to talk about and and kind of like I would argue he might actually be one of the most difficult receivers to rank if you're just sitting down and ranking mm. like top 10 receivers in the NFL. Like Debo probably doesn't make my top 10, but then you watch you watch the game on Sunday and you're like how the hell do you not have that guy as a top 10 receiver? Like what are you on are you on drugs? Uh, um and I look, I get the feedback because I would say the thing that's the weakest part about his game is that he definitely does struggle with man coverage, press coverage. He's not like a true traditional one-on-one ISO route runner, right? And like Brandon Ayuk is so the one-on-one ISO man coverage beating route runner, right? Like they're just very different receivers. But but what Debo does well, he does – maybe better than anybody else in the league, you know, like I'm like, and that, that Trump card trade, I do think is, is crazy. And it's not just the act stuff. Obviously the act stuff is, is, is legit, but his understanding and um, ability to manipulate zone coverage and especially running in breaking routes, crossing routes, right? Like dig routes, anything like that. He's just pretty much one of one. I mean, there are other guys who can do part of what we're talking about. Like, being able to run in breaking routes and get mm-hmm. yards after the catch and beat you over the top on these in breaking routes against zone coverage. Like there are guys that can do one or two of those things really well, but I'm not sure there's many who can do it quite like Debo in that way. So he was really, um, I mean, he is a unicorn of a player. I think he's a very, very difficult player to sit down and rank within wide receivers because um, what he does is is so is so unique and so singular, and it's so important to this 49ers offense. Like, I just think he is a perfect example of um, why landing spots really do matter for receivers, yeah. and I mean any player in the NFL. But I mean, what if this guy was not playing for Kyle Shanahan? Like, That's such what a good if, point? That's such a what a point. crime. I mean, same thing with like Cooper Cup playing for the Rams, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are there are definitely like multiverses and universes out there where 
these guys, I mean, especially like a Debo is just languishing away, you know, doing some, maybe even doing some like goofy stuff in the Chiefs offense or whatever. I'm sure he'd be great in Kansas City, of course. I'm not saying yeah. that, but like his full expression, who he is in this in this Shanahan offense is just, it's, it's pretty rare and it's pretty incredible. And, and in that way too, it's like, imagine, I don't know, imagine Debo Samuel playing for, I don't know, one of these, you know, nameless, faceless coaches, right? And he languishes, as you mentioned, because he can't beat man coverage. Everyone would be like, well, he can't beat man coverage, therefore he sucks, right? But not, but no, that, that's not the case. I, I mean, again, it's like, you know, he's such an elite a zone beater that... Imagine Debo Samuel in Frank Reich's Panthers offense. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> He's he might be out of the league in five years, man. Like that's how bad it is, you know. Yeah, I mean it's it's extreme. All that was extreme examples, but it's true. And, and the funny thing about it, again, when you're sitting, this is why these conversations are really fascinating, and why I think there doesn't have to be like a you don't have Debo Samuel rank your top ten receiver. You're an idiot or you're wrong, and it's because it's an opinion and it's eye of the sure. beholder and all that type right. of stuff. Because um, uh, there is definitely a part of me that. Like we do this with quarterbacks all the time, right? Like, oh well, okay, yeah, but what would Patrick Holmes have looked like if he didn't an land with Andy Reid? Well, what would Brock Purdy look like if he didn't right. play with the Forty Nine? It's like, well, who gives a shit? Because <laughs> Brock Purdy plays with Forty ers Like, who yeah. cares? Patrick Holmes did end up with Andy Reid. Like, we don't live in that universe, and like, thankfully. We don't live in the universe where Debo Samuel's playing in Frank Reich's Panthers offense, or you know, God forbid, the Saints offense. Uh, I oh mean, like, my god. He'd be a great checkdown option for Derek Carr. I mean, <laughs> how many how many Derek Carr shots can I get into one episode? But um, we don't have to live in that fake world because, like, we live in the reality where Kyle Shanahan is Debo Samuel's coach and he's playing in this offense. And so it's almost like if we're sitting here saying, and, and again, there's no real wrong answer here, but there is a part of me that hears myself say, well, okay, yeah, Debo, sure. What if he was playing on a different team? I mean, it doesn't matter. He's not playing on a different team. He's play, playing for this team. Remember there was that moment when Debo was, uh, like, He's like, I want to get traded from the 49ers. And yeah, yeah, there yeah. was even a, there was even like a video of uh, it was like a San Francisco or like a that Bay Area club or whatever, and the big sign like Debo's coming to back, and like it zooms in on Debo, and he just does like one of the, the no like <laughs> throat like the no th throat thing or whatever. It was very funny. Even through all that, it was like, come on, man, no way, no way, are we getting Debo Samuel out of San Francisco? And it's a, it's a, it's a testament and a and a, a credit to the football gods that they didn't allow it to happen that's a, such a great point can you at, at least kind of go into some of those nuances of that because i think it's really i think it's fair to say it's a lot easier to see a guy breaking a man-to-man -man coverage down than it is to see a guy get a positive mark against um, against zone coverage a lot of it is definitely really a good understanding of your own playbook Right, because these routes are, you know, you're design. It's designed to take advantage of and manipulate coverage, right? Like that's it's it design. It's designed to find the right leverage points. So Shanahan's obviously dialing these routes up to beat these specific coverages in in specific situations and everything like that. So for a guy like Debo Samuel, like we talk about stuff with like route details, like running the route at the right depth, so that. Um, if you're breaking in against zone coverage, like just again, just think about these in-breaking routes and digs and stuff like that that we're we're talking about with Debo. We want you running the route, you know, at a certain 
depth at a certain yardage of depth so that when you cut in on that route, you match up perfect with the quarterback's uh, back, like when he hits the top of his drop back so that he can get the ball out, get it to you in space, and then you can do the after catch stuff. So some of those details are really important when you think about a player like Debo Samuel. Uh, I, I thought it was really interesting. Not This is not the 49ers, but uh, on Sunday Night Football last night, the Dallas mm-hmm. Cowboys, Chris Collinsworth and Mike Tirico were talking about talking to Dak Prescott uh, before this game and bringing up how um, he was almost like a preacher, like an evangelist talking about like the West Coast offense and um, like, yeah, he was trying to tell us, like sell us on something, right? Because he was like, I can't believe everybody doesn't play quarterback this way. I can't believe that I haven't been playing quarterback this way. And it's so important in the West Coast offense for you to – Hit like to tie all the routes and tie everything to the dropbacks and 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 the the quarterback's depth. Like how many steps is he taking? Five steps, three steps, whatever, and getting the ball out quick and on time. Like hitting the top of the dropback and getting the ball out. That's crucial to this offense. And you now they call it the Texas Coast. Okay, it's just a West Coast offense, right? So, <laughs> and you can even go back and look. Um, uh-huh. uh, my colleague at Yahoo, Jory Epstein, wrote a story. Um, and she covered the Cowboys for years. National national writer for Yahoo. She wrote a story in Cowboys training camp about how these receivers were even, they were now getting quizzed on like, all right, how, like what's Dak's depth here? And Michael Gallup was like, we've never had to do that before. We've never been so in tune with the quarterback's footwork, but when you breed everything off that and then you can hit it and the timing can work, it's like, that's when you get offenses. Like what we have in Dallas right now, an unbelievable, unstoppable machine and same thing with the – I guarantee you, while we're all sitting here on the outside like, yeah, but Brock Purdy, can he make this throw? Can he make that throw? I yeah. guarantee you Shanahan's like, yeah, but you know what? He knows He knows how to – when he drops back, hit the top of his drop and gets rid of the ball. And he's got a guy in Debo who – like this is where it comes to beating zone coverage and it all comes back to it. He's probably running these routes at the right timing, at the right depth and everything, and he's always playing within schedule, within the structure of the offense on those routes against zone coverage. And then obviously everything that he does from like a yak perspective and a, right. you just get him the ball in space and he creates layup throws and stuff like that. So there's a lot to it, but I'd say those are the two biggest things that matter when it comes to being an elite tier zone beater like Debo Samuel. Yeah, you talk about elite. Um, what, what an interesting player he is uh, because, again, his success rate versus man is really is really lacking. But, man, so so great against zone coverage. Uh, and, again, we talk about struggle to find some receivers um, that have posted four, you know, success rates, uh, four seasons of success rates over 82% versus zone. And, really, when you look at this list, man, it's like the Antonio Browns, uh, Devonte Adams, Stefan Diggs of the world. I mean, these are the kind of guys um, that have posted again four or more seasons over eighty-two percent success rate versus zone. Now, um, Deontay Johnson is also in that mix as well. Uh, but you know, again, Debo with the yak stuff. Obviously, Deontay doesn't have that. Um, I mean, there's a, a maybe maybe a couple other players here, but even when you look at like Cooper Cup, it's it's not that way. Odell Beckham, I'm going through over 82 percent. Yeah, he's done it, just not four times. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it's it it is very rare for what Debo is doing, especially when we're talking about uh, reception perception metrics. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, even like a Keenan Allen's never done that four times, you know, and he's obviously a great receiver. So, yeah, he's he is a very fascinating player. I think probably, like I said, if I'm thinking the most difficult receiver to rank in the NFL, just from a talent standpoint, it's probably Debo Samuel. Um, but man, he's he's great, and and I think it's just what they've got going on in San Francisco right now is just truly. Like it, we, it's it's something we have not seen before. I know that sounds crazy to say, but this level of efficiency when all four of these guys are out there—McCaffrey, uh, Kittle, Debo, and Ayuk—like it's just proto. Like they have prototypes at every position. Like th- this, you're that zone beating Z receiver that can get yak. Debo's the best at that. Like <laughs> I mean, a man yeah. beating X receiver like Ayuk is top 10 probably at that at the position right now yep. um kittle obviously is a freak show at tight end in addition to what he does uh at the at the, at the point of attack from a running perspective and mccaffrey right. is a one another one of one player uh sure. at, at the running back position and you know brock purdy's just like a perfect distributor for it it's mm-hmm. uh, I, I really hope we get to see dallas and and san francisco meet up in the playoffs because i want to see this version of the cowboys up against san francisco but yeah there's a um, there's man, it's just so so much potential in this offense to crush you. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say, though, Matt, that um, we have never seen this level of after the catch ability from top to bottom. Because again, Ayuk after the catch, incredible. Debo after the catch, special, special, special player. Kittle after the catch, incredible. Right at the tight end position, um, and, and CMC is obviously CMC, uh, great at creating yards on his own as well. I think top to bottom, I think we can fairly say we've never seen this level of after no. the catch ability um, from, from a team-wide standpoint. So what San Francisco is doing, you, you want to talk about what makes them special. I think that right there is what makes them so special and so unique and so dangerous. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> now, now, that being said, you know what's crazy? I know football's a fragile thing, man, but it is insane. All of these guys staying healthy right now, we're crossing our fingers, baby, okay? Because this seems like it's the magical year for San Francisco. 
Um, whereas in years past, it's, you know, if one guy gets hurt, two guys get, get hurt, you know what I mean? So, and in, at inopportune times, I mean, just look at the quarterback position last year, right. For, uh, San Francisco. So, uh, we're crossing our fingers, hoping all, all these guys can stay healthy for, for a deep playoff or playoff run. And just to see what happens. I, not that I'm rooting for them to win the Super Bowl or anything, but can I just see what this team looks like in the postseason, fully healthy? That'd be great. We we've seen. One of these guys missed time. Debo Samuel, when he missed time, uh, he gets hurt nine plays into the game uh, against the Cleveland Browns where they lose. You know what happened the next two weeks when he didn't play? They lost. Now, <laughs> now I'm, uh-huh. I'm, I'm not saying that like he's the reason they lost, but <laughs> sure as shoot helps to have Debo Samuel out there. Also, we're talking about all these freak show players. We're talking about uh, all of these like one of one guys at the position. Yeah, we haven't even said the name Trent Williams yet. You know, oh my God. and like that's right. That's like, right. Also, by the way, that three game skid also coincides with Trent Williams being banged <laughs> up as well. And yeah, like Trent Williams is a. I am moonwalking into the Hall of Fame yep. uh, someday. You know, he's that level of left tackle. So it, you're right. It really does feel like, and I think we talked about this. I, I think we talked about this on the show. Um, a couple weeks ago when, when we broke down the 49ers and Eagles game, why I think these guys were so pissed off uh, and so salty after losing yeah. that Eagles game mm-hmm. because they, well, two, what, two reasons. One, what we talked about on the show a couple weeks ago was that I think they knew that that was a mismatch, their linebackers and, and safeties and stuff versus these guys we're all talking about. But also because this is, it is such a, a, like a window here and like we talk yeah. about windows in the nfl and like right. you're, you know whatever this does feel like a window with this group of guys because they're oh, yeah. all healthy they're all oh, still yeah. in the prime of their careers like in two years from now is cmc going to be at the height of his powers no two years from now is george kittle going to be at the height of his no. powers like no. two years from now is are you going to be on this team and debo samuel going to be on this team like we we don't know the answer to these questions. Like, right. and by the like, by the way, Brock Purdy obviously, you know what kind of he's getting paid like probably as much as uh, you know. I mean, he's getting paid like seven hundred thousand dollars a year, which is good money if you can get it. But for NFL quarterback money, it's it's crazy low. Crazy. And, and someday, Insane. if they want to keep the Brock Purdy train going, and why would they not want to? They're gonna right. have to pay the piper on on that one at some point. So this really does feel like a window that I think right. those guys think that was robbed from them last year. We'll see if they can capitalize on it this year. Let's stay healthy, man. San Francisco, let's stay Please. healthy. Let's make it happen. Okay, uh, we talked about great receivers here in Debo Samuel, maybe a, a rising star there in Drake London. Uh, Stefan Diggs is an established guy, man. Absolutely one of the best receivers in the league. I, you're not going to find somebody who's going to have Stefan Diggs outside of the top five uh, wide receivers in the game. Okay, now that being said, yo, what is going on? With Stephon Diggs, dude, uh, 11 targets, four catches, 24 yards versus Kansas City. Uh, it is his third game out of four where he has had less than 35 yards receiving. I just, this is this is crazy stuff from a great wide receiver and a great quarterback uh, pairing with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. What, what's going on with that duo? Yeah, especially because they've had three of their best offensive showings as well. This last week was a little up and down from an offensive yeah, standpoint, but but definitely a, a good defense in Kansas City, all that type of stuff. But um, they've had several great offensive showings the last few weeks, um, you know, with Joe Brady taking over the play calling duties. And I think that's 
one thing that's going on here. They are like sometimes, and we've I'm sure we said this on the show when they fired uh, Ken Dorsey and they installed Joe Brady's offensive coordinator. Well, the offense is going to stay the offense. I would say that they have really mixed things up on the fly here um, with the Buffalo Bills. So, you know, this isn't a situation either where they can be like, ah, you know, we're troubleshooting things, whatever. Like they're trying to win games. They're trying to win games right now so they can get oh, yeah. in the playoffs. Like Josh Allen said prior to this Chiefs game, every game is a is a playoff game basically from here on out because we can't afford to lose. Right. Um, what an ending to that um, Bills Chiefs game, by the way, too. So that's a whole nother that's a whole nother topic of conversation. <laughs> but um, thank yeah, thank you, Kadarius Tony. Golly, if anybody's listened to 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 this podcast and and followed reception perception, you would have bet the mortgage on who's going to make a critical mistake in a critical moment. It's going to be Kadarius. <laughs> Tony, so. I mean, nobody nobody that listens to us is, is surprised of who was the offender. Uh, shoot, anybody just watched the damn Kansas City Chiefs and is right. surprised by that. But, um, you know, w- one thing, too, about this Chiefs matchup here for the Bills, you know, they did try to get Steph Diggs the ball. Uh, he definitely had one drop on a tunnel screen that was like, I mean, come on, man. Like, we got to just bring that in and we got to get going here. But mm-hmm. um, they didn't block the play up well, and I think the guys were coming in and, you know, Diggs probably lets the ball slip because he knows he's about to get obliterated there. Right. Um, we talked about this on our sicko stream, which if you're a sicko subscriber to the site, we do a live stream every Friday in the afternoon. Um, and, you know, everybody should be there. You can get in through the Discord. You get in on the link on the site, whatever. Uh, just a little note there. Not enough people uh, check out the sicko stream, and it's really fun. But I say that to say because we talked about this on, in our prop section on, on Friday. Like, yeah, somebody else is going to have to carry the load here for the Buffalo Bills. I thought it might be Gabe Davis. It nope. was not Gabe Davis. <laughs> <laughs> nope. So, so I read this wrong, but they're, they're, this is a team that has been actively looking for counter punches yeah. um, to, to Steph Diggs, right? Because they can't just be Stefan Diggs all the time. Now, look, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with Stefan Diggs individually, and I think he can have a big game literally at any time. So I don't think there's really anything wrong here per se, but – I do think this team is trying to find is actively looking for counter punches. Honestly, they're looking for counter punches that aren't Gabe Davis because we know Gabe Davis can't be counted on to be a consistent player. But I would point out that James Cook, since um, since Ken Dorsey took or since Ken Dorsey was shown the door and Joe Brady took a, over as the offense coordinator, he's gone over a hundred plus yards from scrimmage in all three of the games. And That's this insane. one in particular was interesting because he caught all five of his targets for 83 yeah. yards and a touchdown. You can even see on one of the plays. Um, and I think this really matters. Like you saw one of the plays where they get to the line of scrimmage and, and Josh Allen tells, like he literally says to James Cook, like wheel, like just run, run a wheel route. And he hits him for a huge play on this wheel route. Like, I think this guy is earning a lot of trust and is becoming one of these, like they'll probably, try to pencil in and piece together this complimentary piece to Stefan Diggs. But I think James Cook is growing to be a big part of that game plan. Yeah, it, it is really interesting, right? Um, you talk about the usage by some of these different players, and maybe it's a situation where they just attack um, they're a little bit of an amoeba offense in terms of, okay, we don't really have like a go-to player. We just are going to attack where the other team is weak. They go play the Jets, right? Um, mm-hmm. And the Jets, great defense, right? G- great defense um, the, the Jets have. And what does Buffalo do? They post 32 on them, right? Um, pretty good. What happens in this game? Well, they start going to their slot receiver and Khalil Shakir. 
Khalil Shakir, three catches for 115, uh, led the way. They throw to Ty Johnson. They throw to Dalton Kincaid. These guys are all guys. They throw to James Cook. You have to go to uh, Stefan Diggs was uh, number five in receiving yards uh, against the Jets. I mean, and I think a lot of that makes sense, right? Because Sauce Gardner, those outside corners, it's really hard. And so they're not trying to make it hard. Right? They're trying to make it easier, I think, for Josh Allen. You want to know why I think they're getting those running backs involved? Well, first of all, I think Joe Brady's offense generally does that anyways. But those checkdowns, those are a mental break, like a, a mental play off for the quarterback. You know what I mean? Um, and I think they're trying to get some of that yak yardage going as well. We talked about it so extensively with San Francisco. So, yeah, they can't change the playbook because it's too late in the season to do that. But they can find those plays in the playbook that will help generate yards after the catch. And I think that is what Joe Brady has been able to do. That's been really, really good. And a lot of that too, again, taking stuff off of Josh Allen's plate, you know, just making it a little bit easier, making, you know, it doesn't have to make as many critical decisions in every single drive. And I think that is why uh, James Cook has been featured more heavily um, in this offense. So yeah, you talk about Khalil Shakir against the Jets, then against the Philadelphia Eagles, they post another big number too, right? It's it's Gabe Davis and, and Stephon Diggs, right? Why? Because we know that the Eagles can't defend outside wide receivers, right? right? So this is where they're going to attack. I think it's been a brilliant play calling of sorts here from uh, from Joe Brady in terms of finding the weak spots on the opposing uh, opposing defenses and really attacking that hard and I love it I think that's an excellent point um, because it was I don't know if I call it like a lineup and play offense right with with what they were doing with Ken Dorsey but it did feel that like a yes it was that's absolutely what it was they didn't look for the weak spots they were like hey we're the Buffalo Bills you have to adapt to us. And it's like, nah, you know, I, you guys aren't that good. You're not that good. They're or you not could just that, go that, up and do that. That, is, yeah, an- another great point. They're not that good. Like, they have one player who's that good that no matter who's uh, up against him every single week, he can win a matchup and get open. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy because, you know, who knows that? The defense. Everybody right. knows that Stefan Diggs can, can be that guy. So, when you have these one-on-one matchups in isolation and stuff like that, like, yeah, you don't have guys that are going to consistently get, I mean, Shakir's a nice player, but Gabe Davis is not that level of separator. So now when you're like putting James Cook in position to, to be that guy, he's the second most receiving yards after Shakir again, ironically, mostly because of that Jets game, but he's second on the team in receiving yards since Joe Brady took over. Like now you have a guy who's, dictating uh, part of that matchup dictating stuff he's 14 catches 169 yards in these three games james cook like (laughs) that's that is like taking advantage of a matchup that is like a plan really and i think this is also another reason why maybe the ken dorsey thing happened because you know i i criticized the bills for like all right we're now we're drafting a running back who's a receiver we're drafting a tight end who's a receiver and like kind of ignoring the receiver position yeah but i think like I, and I still think, I mean, again, I, I really just think it'd be great if they just had like a real number two receiver that could just, especially if you're going to be a lineup and play offense, like we're saying. So yeah. I think maybe there was a disconnect between um, coaching and and the front office, right? Which maybe is people were talking at the time, like, why are they firing Ken Dorsey when the offense is successful and not high EPA and all this stuff? Well, I think one, there was probably some. I mean, pe- people say this like about Josh Allen that he's just he hasn't felt as like 
energized, right? But then recently it has been since the coaching change has been made. So maybe there was some personality stuff there. But also, yeah, maybe there was a disconnect of what the front office envisioned this offense to be and what the coaching staff envisioned this offense to be. And maybe now we are seeing a little more from what James Cook is doing and obviously what Dalton Kincaid has done at times, more um, of that vision being put into place. Because if you're going to be a lineup and play offense, you better have wide receivers that are better than everybody else. They didn't have that. They, they still don't have that. But they do have guys that can be matchup dictating players like a James Cook, like a Kincaid at times. Um, and so, like, Diggs' time will come at some point. Like, I mean, he, they, they play the Cowboys, they play the Chargers, they play the Patriots. Um, the next three games they finish up with the Miami Dolphins, that game is probably actually going to be pretty important um, for AFC playoff standings. Like, there's multiple spots in there where, I mean, Diggs can have an absolute eruption spot, but the fact that they don't, they don't need it. They don't need – okay, like – and I think some part of Diggs's complaints with the offense in the last couple of years, and when he's been, you know, obviously whatever the stuff is going on this offseason was, yeah, the on-field complaint at least was that, like, I'm getting double covered all the time, and like I get, you guys like need me to bail you out when I'm in double coverage, and like I, you know, then it's like okay, we're just tough way to throw live. it to tough way to live, like throw just throw it to him all the time, um, in but then go long stretches of ignoring him, but then like all right, the game's on the line, like we just gotta give Diggs these inadvantageous, inefficient passes, stuff like that. You start to get other threats emerging, that changes the defensive picture. Yeah, I, I just think it would it would be great, and, and I don't feel like um, that Dorsey system certainly featured him uh, enough on intermediate in-breaking routes. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, yeah. I think that's kind of an area where uh, Diggs can absolutely win matchups. And by the way, those are the throws, and, and those are the routes that not only is he great at, um, but again, it's it's a lot easier of a completion too than trying to squeeze a ball deep down the sideline, right? So, yeah, you could you could double, you could bracket a bit there, but if you do, there's got there's you're you're asking for one on one coverage on the outside. That's generally not what defenses are going to be doing, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and so again, we've seen this with Michael Pittman. We saw it with Drake London uh, in this most recent game. These intermediate in breaking routes. That's the bread and butter, man. That's the bread and butter NFL offense. This is where you want to attack. And if you're successful there, you're going to be a good player and you're going to be a much better offense as a result. Um, and I think that's what we would like to see a little bit more of here uh, with Stefan Diggs. So I wonder if there's going to be a little bit of a balancing act too, you know, as this as we kind of close out the season here where some of these, you know, secondary tertiary players for the Buffalo Bills have certainly been featured. We talk about Khalil Shakir, James Cook, but when they can marry that, when they can figure that out, how they can get their star players a little bit deeper downfield because 11 targets for, for Stefan Diggs against the Kansas city chiefs, Matt, you and I both know those were not all high quality targets. You know what I mean? No, a lot yeah. of them was around the line of scrimmage. Can't really do much around uh, after the catch with those kind of targets. So Maybe trying to sort of figure out uh, good spots for him to kind of catch and run would be great. We talk about the yak stuff, Matt. Khalil Shakir, 70 yards after the catch. James Cook, 70 yards after the catch. James Cook against Kansas City, 60 yards after the catch. Again, this is an offense that has these built in and they're finding ways to do that. I think that's been a beautiful thing to see in this Bills offense that was completely missing, if you were to ask me, under Ken Dorsey. I'm with you. I think uh, a lot of like static 
like just what you said, go and, and, and stop routes, right? Like with, with this Bills offense the last few years is why they're always super low in yards after the catch. And, and honestly, some of the types of players that they have too in a, and it gave Davis obviously is not going to be a yak guy. So right. it's been a good ch- – I think it's been a uh, good change for the Bills making this OC move and also just like a really breath of fresh air probably yeah. for the entire offense. It's been it, – it, I think it's been a much better watch too just from a real-life football perspective. Just oh, I enjoy totally. watching this team a lot more, man. Uh, much more varied and, and, um, and more creative, I think, uh, overall. And I think Josh Allen has absolutely thrived. All right, let's play a little game of improved or variance here, okay? I want to I ask you your opinion on these two players, Odell Beckham, Cortland Sutton. Now, um, look, Odell didn't play football last year, but I, I think he was really struggling to start the year. Um, I feel as if Odell is much improved now that we are in December versus when we were in September and he hadn't played football in over a year. But what say you, Matt? This is a guy that saw 10 targets, wasn't efficient with it, four grabs, but did have a great play for a touchdown. 97 yards and a touchdown. Beautiful route, beautiful adjustment to the ball in the air on that touchdown. But what are you seeing here? Improved or small sample size variants? What do you think? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hmm. I actually think one thing that's really interesting with Odell Beckham and why I think it might be closer to improved than variance is that they've sort of been taking like a less is more approach with Odell Beckham. And sometimes we see this with running backs, right? Like, all right, we want to get this guy 15 touches and that's it. We don't want to grind him down into the dust with a bunch of uh, carries and stuff like that. With Beckham, we're actually kind of seeing that the same way here from a passing game perspective. Now, this pass game, it boosts up because they go to overtime, everything like that. But um, since week 10, Beckham played 35% of the snaps, 35% of the snaps, 32% 32% of the snaps and then 53% this past week. Again, they're trying to win an overtime game, everything like that. But interesting. It, it's been a little bit, again, less is more type of approach with him keeping him. And he's been dealing with injuries and stuff. I mean, he's always going to be dealing with injuries. That's yeah, just yeah, like the yeah. way it is. But um, I think you can keep him healthier. You can keep him more engaged by playing him uh, a little less because he's just going to be fresher. He's going to be uh, out there a bit more. And you have other players in the mix here to, to mm-hmm. count on. Like, 
this team never signed Odell Beckham. I don't think to like, well, one, I think they signed him for like postseason football, right? Like, I right. don't think they signed him for uh, to to be the guy in September, like be the wide receiver one off the bus. I don't think they ever really signed him to be like a true wide receiver one. They signed him to be a, like a high quality contributor and play his best football towards the end of the year. And I think they're starting to get that in the mix now. Like Zay Flowers is, I mean, look, looks great. Zay Flowers looks awesome. Uh, he had a big game, uh, the game winner, or uh, I mean, a, a big touchdown and then a two point conversion. Um, you know, to to kind of get them closer to that overtime there. So he's a great player. Uh, you know, Isaiah Likely stepping up. They have good running yeah. backs. Like. Bateman is not like a high volume player, but he has a couple of big catches. They have Nelson Aguilar to throw at it uh, here and there. So I think that using Beckham in this way allows you to get like the best out of him because he's just not going to be like a full-time player at this point in his career. It is interesting. You talk about those snap share percentages for Odell Beckham. Um, I just want to highlight that again, Matt, because it is awfully rare to see a wide receiver play 35, 40, even 50% of the offensive snaps and be effective. That's rare. Um, generally, when we're talking about these guys who, you know, are fantasy relevant or statistically relevant in the NFL, almost all of the wide receivers are playing north of 70% of the offensive snaps. That's not what we're getting from Odell. And it is really interesting in terms of targets per route run. I mean, he's being targeted heavily considering how few routes he is actually running um, out there to kind of give you, to kind of boost your point of they're using him in certain spots, but when he's in those spots, they're looking for him. Yeah, so again, since week 10, Odell Beckham is fifth on the team in routes run. He's behind Zay Flowers. He's behind Isaiah Likely. He's behind Rashad Bateman. He's behind Nelson Aguilar. He has 70 routes run since week 10. But He's been targeted on 33% of those routes, according to Fantasy Points data, and he leads the team in receiving yards. So he's fifth <laughs> on the team in routes. That's nuts. But first in receiving yards with 287. Um, also notably, only on that 12 catches, um, which is second on the team behind Zay Flowers, who has 19 catches. Um, he has two touchdowns again in this span. 4.1 yards per route run since week 10. Like So what they have Beckham doing as this, like, I mean, again, I don't want to call him like a specialized player, but you're right. When he's out there, like they're getting the ball to him and it's not in like Mickey Mouse type of ways either. I mean, you saw nope. um, on, I mean, he has an 8.5 average depth of target in this span. Like he, it's it's downfield routes too, but you're getting Beckham, Beckham running downfield routes at more full speed when you can have him as a part-time player because you're not gassing his legs out, you know, running like, I don't know, vertical routes, like a clear out route or something like that. Like, yeah, when he's out there, he's getting the ball. He's probably going to be um, the number one read on those plays. So, yeah, I mean, it just makes it makes all the sense in the world the way they're using him right now. Uh, him and Zay Flowers in tandem, I think, actually provide like a really nice complement to each other. And then you can get these other guys kind of involved um, as role players as well. So it's definitely a very fascinating receiver room. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's working ask- for both of them. I was going to, have you ever seen something like this before where it's Zay Flowers, it's Odell Beckham. And by the way, they have really, I think, pulled back what they are asking Rashad Bateman to do. Right. Um, I think, you know, I I think they wanted him to be a featured part of this offense and it just wasn't working out, man. You know, uh, whether it's the injury or or the time off or whatever it might've been, um, you you can call it the rust, you can call it whatever you want. 
but he wasn't coming through. I mean, let's be real here. You know, he just wasn't playing good football for the Baltimore Ravens. And I think it was hurting the Ravens offense, right? So I, I think pulling him back, pairing him back a bit um, and featuring the running backs and the tight ends and Zay Flowers ultimately I think has improved the team. But have you met, see, have you seen this before? Like, you know, again, you're talking about Zay Flowers, who's okay, the clear cut uh, number one wide receiver, at least in theory on this offense. And then you've got two part-time players in Nelson Aguilar, Odell Beckham, I guess three part-time players in Nelson Aguilar, Odell Beckham and Rashad Bateman kind of sort of mixing in. And then they're again, they're, they're, they're comprising what is the remainder of the passing offense. It's, it's, it's weird. It's fascinating. It's almost kind of chiefs esque, right? Because uh, flowers is the only one here that's run a route on more than 64% of the dropbacks, again, according to, to Fantasy Points um, data. 94%, 94.7% of the routes, uh, dropbacks, he's run a route. Nobody else, again, is over 64%. So um, it's very rotation-esque. That part sounds like um, the Chiefs, but yeah. they have one They have one dude, right? Like it's like, the, it's like as if the Chiefs receiver room was actually built well. Right. Like, let's <laughs> say that um, they have one uh, like they have one guy that they can absolutely count on, which is Zay Flowers yeah. to be out there for every snap. And when he's called upon I mean, he's not a perfect player. He's dropped passes, whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, yeah. he's a rookie receiver, but like he can get open and he can win in isolation. And when you throw him passes, like more often than not, good things happen. OK, like right, so right, right. they don't the the Chiefs have a Rasheed Rice to do that, but like it's he's he's more limited than Zay Flowers. Just there's there's no question about that. Yeah, and yeah. then it's like, oh well, they have some veterans that they want to throw at it. Well, the Ravens just threw a good veteran at it. Like Odell Beckham's yeah. a good veteran receiver. Like even Nelson Aguilar is like, I mean, is Nelson Aguilar is better than MVS? Like, you know what I mean? I mean, come on, like Nelson Aguilar is not a great yeah. player or anything. But he's better than MVS. Okay, like, so do different things uh, too. Probably better than Justin Watson, right? Yeah, so, um, oh, for sure. Like that's when Nelson Aguilar is your fourth most important receiver. Like you're actually doing something pretty well there. Uh, so I think it's 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 a little Chiefs esque, honestly. It's just the the bets that the Ravens have made have turned out better than the ones that Kansas City has made. Can you imagine Odell Beckham in Chiefs uniform this year? Come on, man! Like that's almost transformative. As crazy as that sounds, you know, even if Andy Reid used him as a part time player, 60 percent player, you know, it's like the Chiefs need Odell Beckham bad boy. Oh my gosh, he would be awesome in a Chiefs uniform this year. Well, uh, he'll be a free agent after the year, I think. Uh, he only <laughs> had a one-year deal, out. so maybe he, let's maybe we'll out. see him. Uh, yeah, no, and he is the exact type of receiver that they need too, like an, a, just a pure outside receiver. And that's Love it. Uh, that's the great thing about Beckham too. And uh, I mean, he'll always go down as one of the greatest what-if stories in the NFL. Yeah. Because his rookie, his rookie season and so those early Giants years, I mean, uh, you just go back and look at the reception perception data. They were so... Insane. legendarily good i mean right. legendarily good um better than justin jefferson like what he was doing as a young player like better than what jamar chase was doing as a young player and these guys are like unbelievable so <laughs> it, it will always go down as a, a big yeah. what if story but like mostly just, and, and mostly just because of health but despite yeah, some injuries. of the injuries taking their toll and stuff like that he still uh has all that same like nuance and detail and understanding of the position which has always been very impressive for him okay so um improved or variance Cortland sutton again this is a guy low volume here four targets three grabs big boy 
I mean, grown man catch for touchdown. 62 yards and a touchdown, and that touchdown was one of the most impressive touchdown catches you will see all year long. So impressive. Uh, this is a guy that Cortland Sutton, man, he has caught a touchdown in seven of his last eight games, but uh, did not score all that well in reception perception uh, last year, to put it nicely. Okay, but what are we seeing here with Cortland Sutton improved or uh, more or less variance? What do you think? Well, I mean, look, a little bit of both because you don't score 10 touchdowns on 79 targets and not live on variance a little bit. That being said, I mean, he's I think he has played better this year than he played in 22 or 21. Um, You know, I've been pretty critical of this Broncos receiver court. That's well known. Um how about Jerry Judy uh, in this game against the Chargers? Oh boy, oh boy. Oh, my God. Wow. He'll be high on Ian Harditz, who does the the sheesh report for yep. um, yeah for, <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Uh, for for fantasy life. And um, a lot of Jerry Juice, a lot of, a lot of Jerry Judy sheeshing going on uh, in, <laughs> in week 14, which, I mean, it's kind of just the theme of his career. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, look, Cortland Sutton, he's not a um, – He's a very good player. He's he's kind of a limited application skill player, sort of the very poor man's version of what we're talking about with Debo Samuel. Where like he does, he doesn't do everything well, but Cortland Sutton runs in breaking routes really well. He really is a good fit in as the X receiver in this Sean Payton offense, running those kind of like Michael Thomas routes. He actually is really good at those like slants and in breaking routes and stuff like that. But he also is, and and I think this is part of his game that really wasn't getting fully, fully unlocked with Russell Wilson last year with the way he was playing and just honestly that disaster of an offense. Yeah. He's really good in tight coverage and really good in contested situations, you know, along the sideline, around the boundary, really good ball tracker. Um, and, and and those traits have really been shining through this year. So I do think he has improved. Um, he, he's playing better this year than he has in previous seasons. And he's definitely living on the right side of variance with the touchdown streak, but he's their best pass catcher, you know, by like a country mile right now. You haven't done the charting for him yet. And this is a guy that's never cracked 70%. He's never cracked 69% success rate versus man. I think part of it is the route tree that he runs. He runs a lot of deep routes or whatever it might be. Um, But, you know, again, anyone, anyone who's below, you know, 70% success rate versus man, um, not speaking out of turn here, it's generally considered below average uh, in terms of route running against. Uh, I mean, I think I think if you're in the sort of 66 to 69 range, like mm-hmm. that's that's fine. That's like a, I mean, you get some you get some funny names in there every now and again. But like, yeah, those are those are like your solid starting receivers. And I mean, obviously it depends on where they line up and everything. Right. We, we know that, of course, but. For like an X receiver like Cortland Sutton, I would put him in like the solid starting X receiver range. If you are playing the X position, you're running downfield routes, and you're kind sure. of in that like 66 to to 69 percent range, that's pretty solid. And like his best season, I think in 2019 was on the higher end of of there. But yeah, he's never been. I I and I always pushed back right when it was like, oh, Cortland Sutton, maybe just had a quarterback. It's like, well, yeah, if he just had a quarterback, like he'd still be a solid starting X receiver. He would just. <laughs> We just have a quarterback. I'm like, he didn't have a uh-huh. damn quarterback for a long time. And yeah. then he kind of get, gets injured and definitely was took took a long time to get back for from sure. that ACL tear in 2020. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't say he's like below average, but I would say he's he's probably like average to slightly above average starting X receiver. I mean, you know how it is. You know, when, when you're below good, that means you're below average. That's what, and that's what, and that's what I mean, right? Like, you know, if you yeah. crack, you know, if you're, if you're over 69%, um, you know, success rate versus man, that means you're good. 
Okay, so that's what I mean. Uh, you're below good. That means you're below average. Sorry, sorry. That's just how. It, that's just how it works. you have high standards. You have okay. high standards. Uh, <laughs> when you're below good, that means you're below average. Don't you understand how the takes work? You know what I mean. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> so yeah, but no, Cortland Sutton, um, you know, has not necessarily been you know a, a, a pinnacle uh, certainly uh, of beaten man coverage here. I, I'm I'm, very, I'm I'm just gonna be very curious to see what his scores look like um, after this year. I'm I'm very curious because I tell you I mean some of these some of these plays that he's making week in and week out I'm just so impressed uh, and yeah. again obviously a lot of it is in contested catch which probably means he didn't get open but you know I'm, this this is why I'm here okay because because <laughs> I love these X receivers that can make contested catches baby um, but yeah anyway so I'll be very curious to see. Uh, what his scores end up looking like at the end of the year. So anyways, there you go. Uh, that's the show. Uh, we appreciate everyone listening. If you would rate and subscribe to the show, that would be very much appreciated. Obviously, go to the website, receptionperception.com. You can find so much of this information and so much more. Uh, if you go, log on to the website, uh, sign up for the services, and do all of those things. All right, but we got to go, man. We've been running a little bit long here. Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. We'll see you. And remember, it's never too late to chase your dreams. All right, peace.